This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey, it's Bartender Journey Podcast number 146. Thanks for listening. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Well, today on the show, my guest is Professor Albert Schmidt. Did you say professor? Why, yes, I did. And this is not just an honorary professor like Professor Jerry Thomas, although that would be the most amazing podcast guest ever. But Professor Schmidt is director of the Hotel and Restaurant Management and Hospitality Management Departments at Sullivan University's National Center for Hospitality Studies. He also wrote The Old Fashioned, an essential guide to the original whiskey cocktail and also the Kentucky Bourbon Cookbook. If you've been listening to the show regularly, and I hope you've subscribed, by the way, if you go to bartenderjourney.net, there's a new page there that says subscribe, and that'll show you a bunch of different ways to do it, whether you're on uh, Android or Amazon or uh, not Amazon, but Apple, uh, you you can uh, go on Stitcher Radio, there's a few different ways to do it. Uh, But anyway, uh, as I was saying, if you've been listening, you know that I've been talking a bit about cocktail competitions lately and added a new page to bartenderjourney.net about upcoming competitions, and there's a few resources there about how to best enter them and how to to win them. By the way, the most important thing is read all the rules. And when you're done with that, read them again. Anyway, Woodford Reserve and Liquor.com are holding a competition revolving around the Manhattan. You have to submit a Manhattan recipe using uh, Woodford Reserve's Distiller Select Bourbon and then another second recipe using uh, this one an original recipe. So the first one's a Manhattan, the second one's your original recipe, and this one contains Woodford Reserve Double Oaked. So uh, the in any competition, the... Uh, the actual recipe you submit, of course, is very important, but anything else you can bring to the party is definitely going to help you out. For instance, uh, the judging criteria in this competition, uh, or one of them, I should say, uh, you know, there's a list of them, but, but one of them is insights and opinions as to what makes the Manhattan interesting and important. So to help us with that, and just because the Manhattan is probably my favorite cocktail of all time, we're going to talk with Professor Schmid. He wrote a whole book about the Manhattan cocktail. The deadline for that contest, by the way, is January 31st, 2016, so hurry up if you want to enter. I have links for it on uh, bartenderjourney.net on that competitions page. So both our book of the week and our cocktail of the week are going to be the Manhattan. And uh, if you go over to bartenderjourney.net, you'll see the show notes that go along with this show and uh, on the main page. And uh, you'll see links. You'll see Amazon links for this book and uh, maybe a few other Amazon items. Anything you buy through Amazon after clicking through a link on bartenderjourney.net, they kick a few shekels this way to help pay uh, the bills here and keep the mics turned on and uh, make sure those shows get delivered right to your phone or or, uh, however it is you get your podcast. So uh, if you can click through to Amazon and help out, you don't have to buy the uh, the product I suggest there. As long as you click through that link and buy something, uh, the small percentage gets sent this way. So before we get to the interview, let's talk about egg whites and cocktails again. <laughs> this is almost becoming a weekly segment on this show, but uh, the, you know, the more I get curious about something, the best way to do something, the more I want to learn about it. And then uh, I find out more and I want to share it with you. So uh, I told you last week uh, that I attended the Diageo training session. And during that training, eggs and cocktails came up. And uh, the presenter in the seminar said something along the lines of, I hope when you're using egg whites and cocktails, you express some citru- citrus oil over the drink at the end. 
that sort of gets rid of that uh, wet dog odor that eggs can sometimes leave in your cocktail. Hmm, when she said that, I do seem to kind of remember reading that somewhere or hearing it from somebody, but uh, I'd forgotten about that. So there's another egg white tip for you. Also, a few episodes ago, I talked about aquafaba, which is a vegan substitute for egg whites. All it is is the brine or the liquid inside a can of chickpeas. Um, I talked about that a few weeks ago and said I'd give it a try and report back. And as bartender journey listener Miguel pointed out to me the other day, I never followed up on that promise. So I'll do that today. After the interview, I'll make a whiskey sour with aquafaba and that'll be cocktail of the week number two. All right, let's talk Manhattans with Professor Smith. So you didn't always work on the beverage side of things, did you? Right. Until recently. I mean, I was a chef. Yeah. I found that being a bartender uh, is very similar to being a line cook. Mm-hmm. Um, Although I've referred several times to bartenders as being sort of the Marines. They do everything. Yeah. Um, they're the first in, the last out. They, you know, <laughs> just take care of everything. And I think that's important because, you know, a lot of times line cooks are removed from the hospitality piece. Yeah, it's so true. Whereas bartenders, not only do they have to create a great product, but they also have to provide the hospitality uh, that a server would. So there's sort of a server and a line cook all meshed together. Yeah, that, I think that's what I, I really like about it. You know, I, I can't stand being a server <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've done it and I, and I've, uh, and I've worked in the kitchen too, and I've worked in management and, uh, bartending is kind of my thing. Cause like, you get to be creative, you get to be, have, you get to do the hospitality side of things, but you know, you kind of, you have a different relationship with the guests than a server, you know, you can kind of, you, you can, uh, you know, tease them a little or, uh, you know, give them a little, give them a little crap or, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and you know, to your question, I really only started bartending about uh, two years ago. Mm. And you, so, but you went all in. <laughs> and and I, did, I kind of did go all in. And I had um, several people who I knew from the industry who uh, encouraged me and sort of mentored me. And uh, that was very helpful. But I've also been behind the bar when, you know, there's 10 tickets deep. Yeah. And, it, you know, there's no end in sight as far as how many drinks are coming in. And it, were, and it reminded me very much of my early days when I was a line cook. I, and I don't know why. I, I think part of the reason why I, I did this was because I talk about managing a bar and I talk about bartending, and, but I had never done it. And, it, and I, I teach very differently now that I've done it. Did you ever see that article by uh, Camper English? You know, he's well-respected in the industry as a writer and kind of researcher and all this, but uh, he never really bartended, you know. And uh, But he wrote an article, uh, like, you know, 20 things I didn't expect about being a bartender, you know, until I actually did it or something like that. It's a great article. Right. Well, and then, <laughs> one, one of them was, I'm not used to being on my feet for nine hours in a row. <laughs> right. I, I guess what blew me away was how many steps I got. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been counting steps, and I know that part of being a bartender is about being efficient. But at the same time, I think I was k- finishing the day with you know just an inordinate amount of steps. You know, like fifteen thousand steps. Yeah, yeah, I did uh, that once. I was I, I was about thirteen five. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and it just that amazed me because you you see this uh, small little place where the bartender. Is the other thing that surprised me about bartending was how you can be invisible, and so you, you'll have a couple of guests sitting in front of you, and they will talk as if you are not there, and so you get mm-hmm. to hear their deepest secrets. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people I hear everything. What I choose to use is a different story. <laughs> right, exactly. 
Well, talk about your mentors. Uh, Tony Abu Ghanem was one of your mentors, huh? How'd you, how'd you start that relationship? Well, actually, uh, it's Bridget Albert who uh, was mentored by Tony. And then, so I'm, I'm sort of Tony's grandchild. Mm-hmm. I love his quote in your book. Uh, the Manhattan is like Frank Sinatra in a glass. Holding one in your hand gives you status, high class, someone who cares about quality. <laughs> that's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's fantastic. Yeah, he is. And that's that's a great quote about the Manhattan. I mean, it's it's so true. Well, and, it, you know, I'll tell you what. He he has been absolutely incomplete. And, and I found this of most bartenders. They're very generous. Um, yeah, I, I, I say that all the time, too. Everybody in this business is or the majority of people in this business are so giving with their knowledge and, and uh, happy to help. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm curious about what uh, what are some of the classes that you teach related to uh, bar bar management and bartending? Well, I teach a class called Wines, Beers, and Spirits, and I've taught it uh, for the last 17 years. Hmm. And uh, it's really, when I started the class, it was more, I angled it more towards wine and pairing food and wine together. Uh, but the class does cover spirits, and we are here uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, at, at Bourbon Central. Yeah. So and this is sort of the Napa Valley of bourbon. So it made sense that that I learn about that, and also all of the other uh, spirits that those companies own. So, like Brown Foreman, for example, mm-hmm. owns Jack Daniels and Finlandia vodka, and um, up until recently, they they own Southern Comfort and. There, you know, several other companies that they own, and then um, that's true of Buffalo Trace, and that's true of Jim Beam. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you're right in the thick of things down there. I've never been, unfortunately. Oh, you've never been to Louisville? No. Oh well, you have to you have to come down and do the Bourbon Trail, and yeah, I want to. Yep, I want to. Well, I saw I saw somewhere that you're a certified specialist of spirits. How do you, how do you get that accreditation? Well, that's for the Society of Wine Educators. Okay. Um, they also offer a uh, certified specialist of wine. Yeah. Um, and so I, I did both of those back in 2008. The spirits one was extremely intense. Uh, Chris Morris, who's the master distiller at uh, Brown Foreman, was one of the instructors. And oh, wow. we tasted, I forget how many spirits in a day, but it was incredible. I mean, a lot before noon and a lot afternoon and then <laughs> the next day took an exam a written exam but it differentiated the different types of vodka uh, the different types of whiskey and then also tequilas and and it was wonderful because I found that when I go to the bar you know a lot of times if you find something that you like that's what you order yeah and this gave me an opportunity to take to taste things that I had never tasted before. Yeah, it's great. Once once you get into this world, you know, and, and you just learn as much as you can, and then and then you know you can talk intelligently about you know a lot of different things. Being at a bar where maybe you're next to somebody, like oh, I'm not sure if I should get this one or that one, and then you know if you've tasted both of them and you can offer some advice or behind the bar, obviously even better. Uh, it's a it's a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, getting back to the Manhattan, there's there's a lot of different uh, stories about the origin of this cocktail, right? And uh, the most popular of which was disproven by David Wenridge. <laughs> right, right. And and actually, I have a personal attachment to that one, um, <laughs> even though it's not true. Uh, and I, I went to a, a high school, uh, Winston Churchill High School down in San Antonio, Texas. Ah. And so if the story had been true... 
where Winston Churchill's mother, Lady Randolph Churchill, mm-hmm. uh, who was Jenny Jerome, if she had been the one who had initiated the the Manhattan cocktail, that that's just a wonderful yeah. uh, connection to have. But as it turned out, David Wondridge discovered that um, she was in England at the time giving birth to uh, Winston Churchill. Correct. So, so that's not. So, there's still a connection, but uh, yeah, there's that's probably not true. I I really like the third possibility, uh, just because it seems true, and that's that a bartender named Black uh, created the cocktail and you know offered it on his menu, and it sort of caught on, and he <laughs> named it after the island. Yeah. <laughs> So there was another there was another great story about the uh, where the name Manhattan came from in the first place in the book. Right. Yeah. Well, that that would have been uh, the word Manhattan was actually uh, a Native American term, which means the place where we became intoxicated (laughs) Um, because Henry Hudson came up the the river and uh, bartered. uh, With the Native Americans that were in that area. And one of the things that they consumed while they were together was uh, brandy, and and so they became intoxicated there. <laughs> so this is sort of and, a and chicken that, and the egg kind of thing here. <laughs> right, and that would have been really ironic if that's yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's great. Well, what's, what's your favorite recipe for Manhattan? You know, there's one that I put in there uh, by Max Allen, who was the uh, bartender at the Seelbach Hotel in Louisville, Kentucky. And I, I guess that's probably one of my favorites. It includes both Angostura and Peychaud bitters. And so you get both of the bitters, and they seem to sort of play on each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also it has a little bit of the juice from the maraschino cherries. Mm-hmm. And so that blend, that's, that's probably my favorite is Max Allen's. Uh, Manhattan. Well, I remember the story of you uh, saying that when you tasted your first Manhattan, it was both both a blessing and a curse. It, and it the, was. Uh, <laughs> Max, uh, I was fortunate enough to know him. That was my first Manhattan. You know, I, I guess admitting that makes it sound like I missed a lot of really great <laughs> drinking during college. Um, I was pretty stuck on uh, Tom Collins and, and gin drinks. Uh, up until I got to Kentucky. I think most people didn't drink too well in college, except maybe your students. (laughs) And some of them do. Um, Anyway, I I was fortunate enough to know Max, and Max was the 1997 International Bartender of the Year, uh, which was a competition that he did over in Switzerland. And um, one of the things that he won on that was a Volvo, a brand new Volvo. (laughs) And anyway, he was the one who made that cocktail. And some of the other cocktails that... Max made uh, included a Pousse Cafe that had, I want to say, thirty-two or thirty-three layers. It was it was the most amazing drink I had ever seen. Oh my! Uh, anyway, it, it is kind of a blessing and a curse. One of the curses on it is is that I, I mean, I'm making them myself now, which is great. But Max is no longer around to do that. So, oh. and it would be great to have another conversation with Max, knowing what I now know right. versus what I did know then. Yeah. Well, when I when I first started reading that, I thought the curse was going to be I can never go back to drinking crappy drinks again. <laughs> <laughs> and that would have been a good tr- twist because <laughs> truly, um, if if there's a drink that's going to be consumed at my house on any given evening, it's probably going to be a Manhattan or a, an old fashioned. Right. Um, although my my father in law is uh, partial to El Diablos, so. <laughs> he loves those. Nice. Well, there, it was nice you had the uh, the the chart of uh, how different styles of whiskey go to with different styles of vermouth. 
and getting real in depth there. Well, and that was an interesting conversation. I, I guess, you know, one of the great things about writing a book or doing the research towards a book is that you can start in a very naive place. And as you talk to experts, uh, you can gain knowledge and expertise. Right. Um, and that was one of those where I said, hey, could you share your recipe or tips and I said, you know, what whiskey would you use? That was a really interesting conversation because the bartender said, well, it depends on what vermouth you're going to use. Right. And he sort of flipped that conversation back to me and he said, well, what vermouth do you want? And I thought about that for a second and he said, tell you what, he goes, and we did a vermouth tasting. So he had all of these vermouths that he brought out and we did a tasting side by side. And then we talked about the whiskeys that would go. And so that's really his opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, but I happen to agree with him on most of those. Yeah. Vermouth is a fascinating topic in itself. I've, I've talked about it several times on the show. Have you read uh, Adam Ford's book, Vermouth? Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I own it. It is, it's a wonderful book. Yeah. He, he's been on my show. He, he's a cool guy. <laughs> you mentioned, uh, you brought up Brown Foreman before. And uh, I, I told you before we started recording, or I told you through email, uh, I'm interested in this contest that they're running, the Woodford Reserve uh, and and Liquor.com uh, combined uh, Manhattan contest. So, uh, yeah, I just want to, you know, know as much as I can. But, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, you're supposed to submit an, ori uh, an original cocktail recipe, but then also a Manhattan recipe. And, you, and, you know, so you start to think, like, how how can I stand out in that in that category? You know, every seems like every variation has been done. In fact, here's a whole book about it. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and I'm sure that there are many other ways that people could, uh, you know, little twists that people could do. But yeah, Brown Foreman, uh, absolutely fantastic that they're doing that contest. Um, and I, I did talk about that in the book mm -hmm. uh, towards the end Yeah, and, and featured several of the recipes that uh, were past winners. And it is interesting because if you take the, if, if you're very literalistic about what the recipe is, you know, then I guess none of these would be really considered to be quote unquote Manhattans. But what it shows the creativity of the bartenders that do them, and they're wonderful riffs on the original. And the the really funny part, sort of going back to the original drink, is that it was a it, it was originally a fifty fifty blend mm -hmm. of vermouth and uh, whiskey. And a lot of times, people think it's you know it's the two to one, uh, two whiskey, one vermouth. Uh, but really, that came sort of after uh, prohibition. Right. Well, yeah, Adam Ford talked about that too. How you know there was a the high the high point of vermouth, you know, before pro prohibition, and then, then it just never recovered really until very recently from prohibition. Right, right. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that the drink is evolving, and so it makes sense that um, Brown Foreman would hold a contest yeah. uh, where we could see that drink evolve even further. Yeah. But it's funny with this guy, that, that portion of the contest where you have to submit your Manhattan recipe. And I think it says, uh, I should have it in front of me here, but it says something about what's your ideal Manhattan and how would you serve it to your guests? The way I, the way I do it is the employees only style, a little splash of, uh, Grand Marnier in there. And, uh, I think it's great, but I, you know, I can't submit that. That's employees only recipe. Right. Right. <laughs> a little tricky. So then the, uh, the second part of this is to, uh, use their, um, double oaked uh, Woodford Reserve bourbon and uh, to make a an original cocktail recipe with that one. So uh, 
it's funny with these competitions because I think I th- simplicity seems to be best because, you know, you want something that's easy, easily reproducible and, and it's not, you know, all these strange house-made ingredients, you know. But again, on the other hand, you know, you want to stand out. And I see last, last year's winner had like a, a oolong tea infused rib, ruby port and cardamom infused something else and fernet bronca, you know. So right. that, that was pretty out there, you know. But uh, yeah, and fernet bronca doesn't appeal to everyone, but, you know, that's the one that won, so. It's got to be a clue there. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I've only competed once or twice, mm-hmm. and I didn't do very well. And it was more for the experience of doing it. But I, the winners have always are the ones that seem to go very simple. Um, and it's it's creative ideas in the simplicity. Exactly, really- yeah that seemed to, to stand out. Yeah, like Bacardi Legacy last year, the, the cocktail just had like four ingredients in it and it was all simple stuff. One of them was olive brine. <laughs> I couldn't believe right. that that was in there. <laughs> it's like like a dirty martini? Won the international contest? <laughs> it wasn't a dirty martini, but uh, I was surprised to see that, but that won. <laughs> so during your online submission to this contest, uh, there's a question or a, a place to write an essay and says, what do you know about the Manhattan cocktail and why it is a significant part of the cocktail landscape? Optional. And then you read the rules and you see that counts for 30% of your score. That's optional, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's just one example of why reading the rules is not optional. Flipping through the rules, it, it gives you a better sense of uh, what the company's looking for and, and what you know the judges are ultimately going to support. Yeah. And there, you know, there's, there's a marketing reason that they're doing this contest in the first place. And you have to kind of keep that in mind too. (laughs) Right. Well, and it also suggests, uh, that Woodford reserve is a a wonderful whiskey to go into a Manhattan. Yeah, Um, it is. And it, it, it is. And, um, I, you know, I also like it, uh, in a glass with, uh, one or two chunks of ice. And Mm -hmm. if you're going to, if you're going to spoil it with anything, it, it better be good. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> so. Not some vermouth that's been sitting in the well for uh, six months. <laughs> Absolutely. that's And that was actually one of the things that um, there was this huge debate among bartenders. I would talk to some that would say, oh, you have to use brand new vermouth. And then uh, some others that would say, well, one of the great things about vermouth is, is that um, as it oxidizes it becomes uh, more unique and and better and so there was sort of this split of opinion of what was the best vermouth to you know yeah well even if that's true if it does get better as it starts to oxidize eventually the curve starts to go back down again (laughs) right i agree i agree so it would be pretty tough to catch it at the perfect uh, high point (laughs) right i i personally like it brand new i i only for home use, only buy half bottles. Yeah, that's the way to go for home, for sure. Yeah. So what's the Southern Wine and Spirits Service Academy? What's that about? Well, uh, apparently this is uh, something that's started um, in a different market. I want to say it started in the Las Vegas market and moved to Chicago and now is here in Kentucky. And long story short is uh, Southern Wines and Spirits is helping promote um, high-quality cocktails uh, by bringing bartenders in once a week uh, for about 12 weeks, and they learn about the spirits and the wine and beer and um, how to mix cocktails. And one of the great things about this academy was at the beginning, you start off with uh, a welcome cocktail. Mm-hmm. So, and then that sort of gets you in the mood. Then you learn about the spirits, and sometimes there's a side by side tasting um, of product, and then uh, 
they also have people like Tony who come in and lecture. Yeah. Um, and so, and I think one of the other lectures was uh, David Morgenthal. Jeff- Jeffrey Morgenthaler? Right, Jeffrey Morgenthal. Mm-hmm. And so, as bartenders, just regular Joe bartenders, they get to meet all of these people. Very cool. And uh, this gave me a lot of connections. It was it was really wonderful. And it actually really inspired uh, the book because there was also a competition right at the end of the class where everybody brought their best cocktail. And I was amazed at how many people brought Manhattans. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, and one of the I guess one of the Manhattans that intrigued me most was uh, one that was a white Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was an unaged spirit, a white vermouth, and so it was crystal clear in the glass. Mm. Uh, But it tasted like a Manhattan. Mm -hmm. The the other one was one that won, um, and it was actually made with uh, mezcal. Oh, nice. Which was great because it kind of shows the creativity of the bartender where you don't have to go with the traditional recipe as long as you're doing a riff and both extremely creative ideas by those two bartenders uh, and wonderful drinks. That's cool. I, I try to do as many training classes as I possibly can. I've done bar smarts uh, and uh, several rum events with something called ACR. And I mentioned the uh, Diageo World Class training session, or they call it the Diageo World Class Lab. I wish I wish this class, if it were three days in a row, I you know I might consider coming down and uh, <laughs> flying down. And but it's it's like every Monday or something for twelve weeks. I don't I don't think I'm gonna be able to work that out. <laughs> well, maybe you could come and just sit in on one section. Yeah, maybe. And um, when is the uh, uh, I forget the name of it. The uh, the Bourbon Festival down there. It's coming up, isn't it? For February. There's two of them. We have the Bourbon Festival, which is down in Bardstown, and that's always in September. Okay. Um. Uh, but there is uh, the Bourbon Classic. Oh right. And that's usually in February or March. Oh okay. And that's right in Louisville, right? And it's in Louisville, absolutely. All right. Well, maybe I can combine some things here and hit three birds with one stone. That'd be great. It would be. Awesome. Well, I don't want to take too much of your time up, but I sure appreciate your time. Hey, my pleasure. And it was great talking to you, and it's a great book, and uh, I look forward to staying in touch. Maybe I'll I'll run into you down there. Absolutely. All right. Thank you again. Hey, you bet. My pleasure. Well, that was great. Again, Professor Albert Smith's book, The Manhattan Cocktail, A Modern Guide to the Whiskey Classic, is uh, available on Amazon. And if you go to bartenderjourney.net, you'll see a link for it. And that's an affiliate link, and it helps out the show a little bit if you click on any Amazon link there on bartenderjourney.net and buy this book or anything at all. After clicking through, it'll help out the show just a little bit. We still have more coming up on this week's show. I'm going to make that whiskey sour with the aquafaba. And, of course, we have our weekly toast at the end of every podcast. First, I want to remind you, our friends over at A Bar Above, the Mixology Talk podcast, they are doing this great event coming up. It's the Craft Bartender Summit, and the site is live now. You can and sign up at craftbartendersummit.com for a free pass. It's an online event, and it's April 17th, so you can take part in this uh, from wherever you happen to be, and it's free, so why not sign up? And uh, if you forget the URL, I'll have it on bartenderjourney.net on the events page as well. That's another way to find it. And, uh, hey, make sure you're subscribed to the show. Next week on this very show, we have the great Eric Castro. Eric Castro's a badass. He's a great bartender, fun guy, and fun to talk to, and just a great all-around bartender, great guy. 
And uh, we had a great interview, and we're going to be talking with Eric next week, next time on this show. So uh, make sure you're subscribed. If, you, uh, if you're not quite sure how to do that, you can head on over to bartenderjourney.net, and there is a subscribe page now. It's new, and uh, it'll show you a few different ways to subscribe. And if you have any trouble at all, or if you want to just get in touch with me for any reason at all, uh, you can email me at brian at bartenderjourney.net. On Instagram, I'm Bartender Journey, and uh, you can search Facebook for Bartender Journey and like that page, like it. So as I said earlier, we have two cocktails of the week this week. The cocktail of the week number one is just the Manhattan, and however you like to make it, your twist is fine. Uh, I think a good starting place is the USBG's uh, recipe, which is two to one, whiskey to sweet vermouth, and a dash of Angostura bitters. Uh, Of course, stir that with ice in your mixing cup and strain into a chilled uh, cocktail glass or coupe. That's a good place to start and uh, make your own variation from there. Then cocktail of the week number two is going to be our whiskey sour with aquafaba. Yeah, okay, I like saying aquafaba. It's fun. Give it a try. Aquafaba. Well, why use aquafaba instead of... uh, Okay, now it's getting ridiculous. Uh, Why use aquafaba instead of egg white? Well, it's vegan for one thing. There's no worries about... Well, I wouldn't say no worries, but there's less worries about uh, contamination, you know... uh, Simonella is an issue with raw eggs. It can be. It's possible. And people can be a little skittish about uh, consuming raw eggs. So uh, this is a good substitute. Maybe we should take a step back here. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know, why do we add raw eggs or aquafaba to to cocktails? Well, the reason is in a shaken cocktail, uh, you want to get a foam on the top and a bit of viscosity, a little thickness into your cocktail. That's the reason for it. That's egg white, I should say, not not the whole egg. All right, so the aquafaba whiskey sour. I used one ounce fresh lemon juice, three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup. I used half an ounce of aquafaba, which is the liquid that's inside the can of chickpeas. And they say that that's a perfect substitute for egg whites. They say it's uh, perfect, it's vegan, and uh, one-to-one proportions with uh, egg whites. And uh, I've read this in several places, and I wanted to try this out. I used two ounces of bourbon. I shook that up and poured it over one big, large, giant hand-cut ice cube and uh, garnished it with a lemon twist and a cherry. And uh, these are my thoughts. It was... uh I, I found it um, a little less uh, viscous and a little less foamy than an egg white. Uh, maybe maybe I should try it again with a little more aquafaba, um, but um, it was very good, and uh, I just found it slightly less viscous. And uh, but it's you know way cheaper than an egg uh, if you're if you're counting uh, pennies, and also you have much less uh, problems with uh, food safety and that kind of issues. Uh, also, your guests may not be you know guests are uh, a little freaked out by raw eggs and maybe rightfully so maybe not but uh it might be an easier sell than an egg tasted great i'll have a picture of that up on bartenderjourney.net hey if you like this show please tell a friend tell a bartender tell uh hey if you're an educator tell your students (laughs) and uh i appreciate you listening and i'm looking forward to talking to you next time all right here's our toast here's to the manhattan cocktail gaz gary regan calls it the best cocktail on the face of the earth. Cheers. We'll talk to you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast.